Hi, and welcome to the Vancouver Life Podcast. This podcast is created to answer the most talked about questions when it comes to navigating the Vancouver real estate market. I'm your host, Dan Wartell, a licensed agent and accredited real estate investment advisor based here in Vancouver, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Dash. Hi, Dan. I'm also a local realtor, an exhausted father of two, husband of one, and really happy to be here. Let's get right into today's episode. If you thought inventory was tight in Vancouver, wait till you hear these numbers in Toronto. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Vancouver Life Real Estate Podcast and YouTube channel. Uh, today we're taking a little bit more of an East Coast look, and we're going to get into uh, some numbers in Toronto, a uh, quick look in Calgary as well. But let's start off with a touch on national employment, because employment is going to drive well, real estate prices and a bunch of other things, including uh, maybe even pushing inflation further up. And why are we saying that? Well, first off, the the job rate, the unemployment rate is back to pre-pandemic levels. Um, overall, unemployment is sitting at 6.7%. Uh, this is below our 20-year average of 7.1%. Um, but not all things are created equal here. Uh, it is a different labor force than what we saw pre-pandemic. And what we mean by that is, is first up, the working age labor force is at an all-time high. So the working age is considered between the ages of 15 and 64. Uh, 79% of that demographic are currently working. And uh, for reference, this is up from about 71% that we saw back in 1980. Uh, but further to that, yeah, there's, there's, there's an interesting divide here. And the people that are earning over $30 uh, an hour or more are sitting at about a 28% increase in employment than pre-pandemic. And hmm. then the opposite is happening with those earning less than $20 an hour, where they are a 12% unemployment rate uh, worse or lower, if you will, than the pre-pandemic. So even though there's equal or even a little bit more jobs and actively employed people, it's the people that are earning more money that are more gainfully employed right now. It's interesting. Um, I mean, immediately that speaks to me in, in that, you know, the, the wealth gap is definitely going to be exacerbated. Um, if this kind of rate continues, um, I think it's also interesting because I, I think COVID kind of introduced um a lot of changes in the economy that were maybe at the at the start or the tilt of of it happening, and and it kind of acted as a catalyst and got some of these things going quicker. I mean, is it really any surprise that um, you know we're we're doing this on Zoom right now, right? I mean, we've learned to solve problems with technology, and I think that that skill, if you will, or, or is going to be in more demand as we continue down this path. Right. And I think, you know, when you look at jobs, I mean, even though they're, 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 you know, crying for, for people to um, like uh, flight attendants and things like this to try and come to work um, and they have increased their pay, but still, when you, when you look at the fact that I don't have to jump on an airplane to have a business meeting anymore, I can just hop on Zoom and get the same thing done in 15 minutes as opposed to an entire day, there's going to be a change that comes with that, 
right? And, and I think that that's something that COVID has stimulated. Whether it maintains and persists, we'll see. Don't get me wrong. I still think travel is going to be huge when it comes back and, and, and the borders continue to open. Um, but I do think the necessity over skill um, technology is, is kind of leading the path in that re- regard. And I think we're seeing that in the economy, right? I think you are right there. And I think it's also likely too that because of all the the stimulus and curb and whatnot that was paid out to a lot of people, they only stopped that last month. Mm. So I think a lot of people that maybe were earning more by staying at home and, and taking this helicopter money, they've only now if they hadn't shifted it into a new job or, or found a new project or passion that they have followed or a new skill set that they've gone after, they're only now really just getting back into the workforce. So I think we'll likely see that uh, $20 an hour lower market uh, see their unemployment rate decrease in the upcoming months here. And I think, you know, a part of why that is, is because, you know, let's talk about what's coming up next, you know, where are jobs going to go next? And uh, there's a lot of people or sorry, a lot of companies like Ryan just hinted at that are begging people to come back to work right now. They cannot find employees. Uh, the numbers look something like this. So about 68% of businesses out there right now are saying they are looking to hire. They have an intention to hire people like immediately. 68%. Wow. That's a two-thirds. lot. That's a yeah. lot. Um, and then meanwhile, you know, these, these same companies are, are reporting labor shortages, uh, 50%. 50% of, of uh, companies are looking for skilled workers right now. See, I think it'd be really interesting to know is, you know, in that 50% of companies, which ones are tech, which ones are healthcare. I think that would be a really interesting uh, piece to understand because I think that that would also help us understand why people that are making $30 an hour or more have seen a 20% increase in jobs in that field. Why is that the case? Right. And, but that being said, a lot of this design work or, or uh, tech work is going to result in things like we still need Uber drivers, right? We still need DoorDash delivery where, you know, that whole side of, of the game is going to, is going to come back pretty big too. Right. Exactly. And so if we've got two thirds of companies saying they want to hire and we've got these employers essentially fighting it's almost a bidding war over especially the skilled workers you know that inherently is just going to result in an upward pressure in wages and what happens when people earn more generally they spend more more, right Mm -hmm. so that's going to push money into the economy it's going to push housing up further it's going to push inflation up further because people are going to spend more and therefore people kind of like to charge more and Mm -hmm. you're just going to kind of see that cycle continue to push upwards I don't disagree. And, um, you know, I, I generally think that, like you said earlier, Dan, the people that are making more money are, are putting it back into the market, right? They're, they've got cheap, they can still, <laughs> quote unquote, get cheap money for now. Um, and, and that's where it's gone, right? So speaking of which, um, <laughs> kind of more glaring than anything is it's gone into Toronto real estate too in some big ways in the last month, Right. Um, Toronto homes, um, home sales, sorry, posted their second straight increase, jumping 9.9% month over month. That's numbers that are on par with 2016. Although there's been a 30% reduction in inventory. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, so you're seeing sales volumes similar to the, the previous peak and yet with, you know, almost a third less inventory. And you know what that does to prices. Um, you know, realistically, the landscape is calling for prices to continue to rise through early 2022 here, similar to what we predicted a couple of months ago to happen in Vancouver. And why is this? Well, sales uh, have dropped about 7% from last year. Sales volumes down from last year. Um, but within that, and this is definitely worth extrapolating a bit on, is do note that condo sales are actually up 29% within that same window. Yes, so what has to go down? Well, detach. Detach home sales are down 17%, while you see the condo sales jumping 29%. Is this people? Is this the reverse of what we saw that flocked to the suburbs and now people are coming back? Partially some of that. We're also likely predicting the fact that it's going to be affordability. Yeah, I think right. it's going to be largely largely the fact that detached homes have just become so expensive and people are spilling over now, going to the next asset class underneath, much like we've talked about in this market, right? I think that that number speaks in a big way to that, personally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, um, the talks of interest rates hiking. You know, they're having, there's all sorts of articles, uh, four hikes, eight hikes. All, people are just throwing numbers, you know, all left, right, and center here about how many they expect to happen in the next one to two years here. Meanwhile, Bank of Canada and the Fed are saying, look, we're not touching anything till at least April of next year. Fed saying more like July. Um, but the headlines have been grabbed, headlines have been shared, and it does invoke a bit of fear. In people in the sense that, okay, if we wait, we're going to be paying more in interest rates or our buying power is going to decrease. So what does that do to people? It drives them into the marketplace. Mm-hmm. They go and they get that fixed, they, they get their um, pre-approval, excuse me, they get that locked in and then they're out shopping. And, and it's putting kind of like this last, what feels like a last hurrah into the marketplace that you know we've seen for 18 months strong now. But here's people finding more ammunition, throwing more fuel on the fire to get more people into the market. And that's what's happening. Both both yeah. East Coast to West Coast. Like nationally, this is happening. happening. Yeah. And, and I wonder if in that happening, you know, when you look down south, I mean, we, we all heard, you know, um, inflation hitting above 6%, right, down south. And that was, that's a big number. I mean, it's a 30-year high down in the States. And even them, they've said, look, we're going to run hot. We're going to let it run hot for the next little while. And so, again, I think we can also, and and you just have to look historically at this, but we do mirror a lot of what happens down there. Economies are so attached, right? So I think when you start to hear uh, the Federal Reserve and the states making notes about raising interest rates too, you can almost expect that's going to happen here as well. Right, the economies are just so look so closely linked, um, but yeah, I, I tend to agree with Dan. I mean, as you know, the news of interest rate hikes is coming. Well, that's going to put a fear of missing out on people, and that's going to drive this last squeeze um, in the marketplace before we probably get to a point where. What we, I, I actually don't know. That's kind of the, <laughs> the scary part of this. As much as I want to know. Um, you know, I'd like to think that things will cool off. Um, and I think when when you start to see an interest rate happen, an interest rate hike happen, you'll start to see that cooling off. Um, there's some new introductions into the market, like this cooling off period um, that's going to come into the real estate market. We'll see how that Im- impacts people, but I think there's going to be some some big negative sides to that as well. Um, maybe we can touch on that in a little bit. But anyhow, let's get back into the numbers here. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just want to say too, of course, because we have had the, the banks nationally start to increase the fixed rates on mortgages by about 70 basis points just last month, that has really triggered a lot of people to make that decision to get in as well. Actually, because they're, they're seeing it rise. They're seeing it happen. They're like, okay, you know, it's been at the bottom for 18 months or so. The fact that it's ticking up, generally, most people believe it's going to go higher still. So, you know, they want to get in before it's uh, quote unquote too late for them to feel like they can afford what they want to buy. So I'm I'm at soccer uh, a soccer game last night uh, a soccer team I play with and you know there's guys on the team one there's a couple of mortgage brokers and anyways real estate's a hot topic kind of anywhere you go in in Vancouver but especially on on our team too and and um, you know there was this almost this misconception that rates are still fixed rates are still quite low um, and you know there was such huge surprise when you know these guys are telling us that it's two point eight. 2.9, 2.7, you know, I mean, it wasn't that long ago where fixed rates were 1.6, 1.7, right? And I could tell in the behavior of them being told this, that it was like this, you know, it's time to get off the pot. It's time to, it's time to make a move, right? You could see the jump in, in their, in their eyes. So um, it'll be really interesting to see how the next six to kind of nine months play out here. Agreed. Agreed. It's amazing what people do uh, related to interest rates here. It, it really does affect buying behaviors. Um, okay, so back to Toronto numbers here. Uh, new listings. Obviously, this feeds into inventory. So these new listings were down 34% from last year. That's uh, the lowest the inventory levels have been there since 2014. Or Sorry, that's the lowest new listings amount since 2014. And wow. this directly affects inventory for sure and sales the total number of sales that are taking place right sales mm-hmm. are remember are lower than seven percent this time last year when your new listings are down by 34 percent, you've got no inventory so what's that number <laughs> year over year oh my god yeah this total inventory has dropped 55.2 percent yeah there's a reason for a pause <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, not only is that a 20-year low, um, but the months of inventory, Dan, have dropped to the lowest in history at 0.8, which, if I may say, makes it weeks of inventory, which is, I, I don't even know, that's kind of terrifying. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, so for a bit of reference here too, uh, GVRD is sitting at about 2.2 months of inventory and feels incredibly tight to any buyer yes. out there. Yes. Imagine it was 0.8. Yes. That that also means that if if there were zero new listings that hit the market in Toronto, the existing inventory would be gone in 3 weeks. <laughs> I don't think Just I've ever heard weeks. I don't think I've ever heard that. I mean, it's we've we've talked about what a systemic supply issue our country has right now in terms of inventory, but these numbers, I mean, it's it's demanding. It's got to demand a like a crisis level kind of intervention here of, of supply. You know, we got to get homes up quicker. We got to change something. It's it's just crazy. This is unsustainable in 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 a in not a good way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you could imagine with inventory that tight, but sales still going, uh, what are prices going to do? They're going up. Yeah. Uh, and if you can believe this, prices in Toronto jumped 4.3% just last month. Holy, it was, and no wonder 
No wonder people are flocking to condos, but a 4.3% gain in price in one month. <laughs> that's, that's credible. I mean, that's, what is that? 1.13 million now? That's the average home average price, price in Toronto. Yeah. So they're catching up because, you know, if you remember here in Vancouver, GBRD, we're at 1.2 million. So we're only about 70K higher than Toronto's average right now. Um, but they're catching up and they're catching up quick because Vancouver, GVRD, average home prices, 14% up year over year. But Ryan, what have they done in, in Toronto? They're up 25%. In one year, the average home is 25% in one year. Well, and and so and it's crazy because granted that Vancouver, at least on paper right now, in average terms, is a little bit more expensive. But I mean, we're talking an eleven percent swing. We're not eleven percent more expensive. <laughs> that's yeah. that's a big swing. There's a that's a huge amount of demand, mm -hmm. right? Um, Thank you here. Like just at this point, eight, I am having a hard time getting off of this number because it's so incredible. You'd have to add six times the inventory that they have right now, 600% more inventory. You would still be in a seller's market. That's, uh, that's yeah, how bleak it I mean, is. So, I mean, yeah, and those are fundamental economics, right? At the end of the day, they're going to have to use interest rates to, to cool this down. They're going to have to use monetary policy to change this environment, right? And again, we're going to tinker with it <laughs> as opposed to actually providing long-term sustainable change. That's, I mean, skilled workers, carpenters, you know, framers, people who pour, you know, Concrete would be unskilled labor, but you know, these things are like, it's no wonder we need them. There's a 40% demand for this kind of stuff right now. And this is for just to help in, in this situation too. Right. Yeah. Because it's getting so extreme. I fear something dumb is going to happen soon. And, and by dumb, I mean, uh, the demand is obviously going to be taxed in, in a way or, or suppressed in a way that is not thought out and, and is just going to yeah. hurt a lot of people. I don't know, like you, done can't, it before. you can't buy a second home or, or whatever, whatever it is, who knows? But I just feel because things are so extreme, the outcries from the general public are about to get loud enough again, that they're going to do something similar to what we saw happen in 2017. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, let alone the outcry from people who can't afford one, you're going to start hearing from people who just can't buy anything. Then that's a new outcry, mm -hmm. right? It's, that's a different issue. Because um, I mean, let's think here. Now we're talking no inventory for anyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and because of where we sit today, I mean, this isn't going to stop tomorrow, right? Prices, prices based on this landscape have nothing to do but go up. People are scrambling for mortgages. They're getting them. They're still getting low rates. There's nothing to buy. So people are competing. That inherently means higher prices. So at least into early 22, we're looking at right now. And again, this is just like what we're seeing here in Vancouver. Very similar story, but it's just, it, it's almost like it's on steroids in Toronto. It, it is so extreme out there. I couldn't imagine what it feels like on the ground right now. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> we, should, we should find out. We've actually, we know some agents over there. Maybe we'll get them on the show and, and have a chat with them.
It's a great idea. Let's do it. Um, okay, so quick look at Calgary now as well. And why are we looking at Calgary? Well, again, it's it's a city in our neighboring province, and we work with a lot of investors, and they've bought into that province, and uh, it's just uh, well, there's there's movement there, and there's movement there for the first time in about seven years, so it's worth ta- uh, talking about here. It kind of um, feels like the only place in Canada with some inventory might be Calgary, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you can still largely negotiate in Calgary. Maybe we should have a Calgary agent on as well. And, and yeah, just go, get some uh, perspective. City by city across Canada for some perspective. <laughs> Might be a fun uh, series for us to provide for you guys. Yeah. So yeah, Calgary uh, on pace for record sales volume. Good for Calgary. It's been a long time, but um, when we say record, they're on track to be like 61% above their five-year average now. That's a blowout. Yeah. 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 It's, a, it's a big jump. And uh, this is resulting in inventory at a seven-year low. So, you know, again, Calgary, Alberta as a whole has been flat, 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 flat with their prices for about six, seven years now. Um, yeah. So Calgary, yeah. you know, seeing a 9% increase. Yeah, it, it's it's obviously notable. It's so far behind the national average for the last six years. But, you know, we are bringing this to people's attention because there's obviously movement in Calgary. Um, I wonder is, if that's... That's yeah. largely, well, not largely, but I mean, we've seen, you know, in, in the U.S. markets, well, markets around the world here, uh, energy has has recently become a big problem again, um, with a lot of green energy not providing the energy um, required to run the demand that's in place. Um, and so we've seen, you know, a pushback to uh, more traditional fuel sources, right? And with rising oil prices, I think you're starting to see a renewed interest and, and I'm not going to. I'm not going to say the word yet, but, you know, um, is the province, is there a bit of a comeback here? Um, it, there seems to be the groundwork for it, right? I guess it depends on how long, how long, how long do they have, right? Um, with an energy requirement. And because as, as prices rise, um, you know, you're going to see more and more um, economic activity taking place in Alberta, which is great, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Interesting to note as well, where the attention in real estate is going. And by that, I mean property type or asset class. And it is so predominantly focused on condos right now. Um, 42% year over year increase in condo sales volumes. Wow. That leads the pack by a long shot. And very interesting too, because you got to think, I mean, detached homes there, you can pick one up for $400,000, you know, all day long. So it's not as much of a price point issue but that seems to be where all the demand is and and maybe that's largely because the condos are downtown and that's where they're seeing the renewed jobs again they're seeing the revitalization mm-hmm. and um well we have seen a big push for tech back that's come back to calgary and that's due in part to very low commercial prices uh mm-hmm. for for businesses so there's a low cost of entry um and tech as we all know like we've talked about in the cast um you know, you can do that kind of from, from anywhere, right? Um, if you've got a portal access, you know, you don't have to be in Vancouver. You can be in Calgary and you can live in a condo that's $250,000 and make 130,000, right? That's a very nice lifestyle. Absolutely. So So we're going to keep an eye on that as well as everything else that we do. Um, I think that one wraps it up for us today. Thank you as always for listening, watching, please subscribe if you're, uh, you know, enjoying it and getting some value and we will be back next week with an updated uh, episode for you. That wraps up this edition of the Vancouver life podcast. 
for more information on this podcast and to access a ton of free downloads, investment opportunities, current market info, and homes for sale, you can find it all at www.thevancouverlife.com. Thanks, and we look forward to bringing you more podcasts about Vancouver real estate.